This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book 3, Purgatory, Chapter 11 As they skirted the edge of the forest, Edgar turned very chatty, almost chipper even. He made small talk and little jokes. He grinned and laughed, all of which made Assam very suspicious. And when Edgar started asking questions, questions about them and their lives, questions about their parents, Assam felt the familiar little tickle of warning in the back of his head. He did his best to avoid giving out any specifics without appearing to hide anything, but he knew that the more questions Edgar asked, the more the boy was revealing about himself and what he wanted. What about your family? G turned the tables on the boy. What about then? Edgar's voice fell flat. If there had been a sun shining overhead, a cloud would have covered it. Any brothers or sisters? G asked, seemingly unaware of the change in his mood. Yes. Which? Or both? Both. How many? None. She cocked her head at him. They're all dead. The three of them walked on in silence for a few moments. So, have you ever gone looking for them? He stared at the girl, incredulous. What? I mean, she glanced around them. Haven't you ever looked them up? He shook his head. I want you to imagine something. Okay. I want you to imagine how many times you've taken a breath since the moment you were born, how many more breaths you'll take before you die, and how many breaths that will add up to over the span of that rich, full life of yours. Okay. If you started on one side of this place and talked to every single person you met, with all that breath saved up, you would only make it the six steps into the first ring before you ran out. Ran out of what? Breath. What's the first ring? Edgar sighed. The first neighborhood. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Sure. G's face was interested, inscrutable. It's a big place, bigger than you can imagine. As far as you've gone, everything you've seen, it's only a sliver, the slightest, smallest slice of the whole thing. You have no idea. You didn't answer my question. Edgar stopped walking, glanced at her sharply. That's right, I didn't. He started walking again. So, G asked. Assam felt Edgar's pulse throb with annoyance. I never bothered, the boy told her. I never really cared much for them, my brothers and sisters. Not at all? Not much. What about your parents? What about them? Did you look for your mom or your dad? He shook his head. I never knew my dad, but... He pointed his chin to the line of trees on their left. 
My mother's back in there, somewhere. G looked at the trees in horror. She is? Yes. Do you ever go and see her? He looked at her for a long moment, then walked away. G decided it was time to stop asking questions for a while. They walked on, and it was slow going, the heat oppressive. They fanned their faces, walking as fast as they could to escape the gnats that swarmed around them. Assam and G had long since stripped off as much of their winter clothes as modesty would allow. They tied the sleeves of their coats around their shoulders, wrapped snow pants around their waist, but it barely helped. G panted alongside beside her brother. The cool shadows beneath the trees looked inviting, but she could still hear the little whispers and whimpers well enough. She thought of the river and how much cooler it would be by the shore. But when she mentioned this to the boys, Edgar shook his head. It won't be, he told her. The folks in these parts, they expect it to be hot this close to hell. This isn't hell. Edgar curled his lip at her. And you would know. Winterly told me, she said defiantly. The queen. And you believed her? Yes. He nodded. Smart. If you were the queen of all the damned, would you tell the truth about it? Shut up. Me shutting up doesn't make it true. Listen. So this is hell? Assam interrupted, trying to avoid another battle between the two of them. This? No. Edgar gestured around them. This is a long hike on a hot day. The boy ran his hands over his ruined face, wiping the sweat up into his hair. G thought that he looked like a porcupine that had lost an argument with an automobile. Edgar gestured to the trees. Hell, like this place, like anything else, hell is what you make of it. That sorry lot, they thought their lives were hell. They were looking for a shortcut too. But they also thought they deserved hell. And so, here they are. So, they wanted it to be this way? Assam slapped at a bug on his neck. He inspected the dark smear on his palm, wondering how much was his blood and how much was squashed insect. Well, yes and no, Edgar said. But they weren't too disappointed when they got here and found out they were right. Assam started to ask another question, but Edgar held up his hand. It's best not to think too hard about it. We're talking about a minor scrap of real estate. A handful of souls stuck in an ill-kept, unfrequented backwater of a much larger territory. There's a lot more of them than you'd think. He shook his head. People love sending themselves to hell almost as much as they love sending other people there. I don't believe you, G said. Fine, Edgar started walking backwards, facing them as he went up a rising slope ahead. You'll see. He stumbled and sat down with a tooth-jarring bump. Ah, might as well take a rest. This is a lot more than ten miles. Assam stopped next to the boy. That may well be, Edgar replied. But I'm not a cartographer. Not drawn the scale. Your mileage may vary. 
Objects in the mirror may appear closer than they are until you feel their fingers on your throat. Assam watched his sister climbing up the hill after them. He was suddenly angry, and he didn't know why. You're doing fine, Edgar called to G. It's not long now. How long? G called back. Maybe fifteen, twenty miles. Twenty miles? G almost collapsed in despair. You can do it, Edgar shouted encouragingly. Assam walked down to her. We could have killed him, she said out of the corner of her mouth, taking the hand he offered. He shook his head. No, I don't think we could have. Is this still better than having him behind us? He shrugged and turned, walking with her. They reached the spot where Edgar sat, passing him without a word. Dash the spirit, the boy told them as they passed. Never say die, especially here. When G and Assam reached the crest of the hill, they stopped. The girl looked back at Edgar, still sitting halfway up the slope where they had left him. She saw him glance back over his shoulder. When he saw that they had reached the top, he rose with a grunt and walked up to join them. Together, the three of them gazed down at what lay on the other side. The hill was much taller on this side, steeper. It sloped sharply down to the broad, flat ribbon of river below. The river was wider than before, and overgrown with brownish-green reeds, almost a swamp. Like I said, Edgar sighed, I'm not so good with the distances. G stared down at the river seeping out from the base of the hill below. It's so big. It is big, Edgar said. Yes. How do we get across? Not to worry, he told her. It's shallow enough to wade. Really? Assam narrowed his eyes at the boy. Don't you trust me? Edgar asked. About as much as I trust the river, Assam replied. But at least I know which way it runs. Come on, Edgar said with a laugh. We haven't got all day. Gingerly, he began picking his way down the steep slope. The others followed him. The bank was muddy and their feet slipped out from under them more than once. But, muddy and bedraggled, they reached the bottom without being too worse for wear. Except for Jay. She had the worst of it. Sliding ten or fifteen feet on her rump, the mud coating her jeans and soaking her to the skin. She was not happy about this. Not at all. Even Edgar knew better than to laugh. Finally, they stood together at the bottom of the bank. The river was, just as Edgar had said, quite shallow. The thin current wandered sluggishly through the reeds and cattails. And, as Edgar had promised, the heat was much worse, as were the flies. Unlike the tiny gnats that irritated them at the edge of the forest, the flies by the river had grown to a more respectable size, and they had no mercy. Ow! G slapped at her arm as they wound their way through the soupy riverside, tangled in weeds and reeds. It bit me. They do that, Edgar said. I didn't know flies could bite. Some of them can even chew. Edgar led them through the bending stalks, turning this way and that, heading for the far shore. 
Assam and G followed along as best they could. G swatted at a tilting cattail, and it burst into a cloud of drifting pods. She sneezed, thinking of the fairy stories her father told her at bedtime. Is this even the same river? she asked. The same river as what? Edgar called back. As before. Jeev thought back to the gentle boat ride through the mist. It was hard to imagine that broad band of water losing so much of its strength and power, becoming this weak and feeble thing. There's only one river, he answered. All waters are one. One what? He ignored the joke. Which one is this? G asked, surveying the swampy marshland surrounding them. What? Which river? I told you, there's only one river, he answered. Now, come on. G looked at Assam. He shrugged. They followed Edgar through the reeds, the warm, muddy water splashing their legs. G couldn't tell if the water was getting her jeans cleaner or not. Where are we going? We have to cross the river, Edgar replied. She wiped the sweaty strands of hair out of her eyes for the hundredth time. Why? To get to the other side. What if it gets deeper? I have, Edgar replied, no bloody idea, but... I feel quite certain that I will figure it all out, provided that you ask me enough inane questions. G asked Assam, Does that mean what I think it means? Her brother nodded. It means stupid, right? He nodded again. She called up to Edgar. So how are we going to get across? Never say die, he replied. That's what I admire about you, kid. We could swim she offered. You could, the boy answered. I could not. Why not? I don't. You don't what? I don't swim. Why not? I don't know. You don't know? Edgar sighed. I don't know how. You don't? She was amazed. She'd been swimming for years. Odd to believe, but there wasn't much call for it where I came from. He bent back a wall of reeds, pushing his way through. Now, the biggest body of water in my village was the community pig trough. I tried to learn, but it just wasn't the best environment for a growing, impressionable boy, and soon I fell in with the wrong crowd. We could take a boat. We don't have a boat. We could make a boat. Edgar looked at her. I'm out of trees or something, she said. He looked at the broken reeds all around. What trees? They don't grow here. Can't get the roots deep enough. It's a shallow place. No depth to it. What about back there? G pointed back up the bank the way they had come. The, the forest. He stared at her with genuine horror on his face. You can't be serious. Um, not a good plan. Even if you could manage to cut one down without any tools, and if you managed to do it without going insane from all the screaming, you'd be hard-pressed to make it across in a boat with a built-in death wish. G looked at him blankly. 
No, he clarified. A boat made from wood, taken from a tree, and the forest of suicides would never make it across. How many times do you want to drown? Uh, besides, he interrupted, turning his back to the river. It's shallow enough we should be able to wade across. I think. It looks like it's shallow enough. You could have just said so, G replied sullenly. I could have, he agreed. But then I would have denied myself the opportunity and pleasure of making you feel stupid. He turned and began wading once more. The sound that the clump of mud made as it connected with the back of his head belied the force with which it had been thrown. An almost meaty slap echoed over the water, startling a flock of crows that rose, squawking from the far shore. Edgar froze. He raised one hand to the mass of mud and duckweed slowly sliding down the back of his neck. He ran his fingers over it lightly, like a blind man reading a face. Gently, he peeled it away and scraped what he could out of his hair before turning around. G was rinsing a broad smear of mud from her palm. What? Why did you do that? Do what? She shook her hand dry and wiped it on her pants. Why'd you throw mud at me? She shrugged. Why does anybody do anything, really? Edgar stared at her long and hard for a moment. You really don't want to do that again, he said. Oh, but I really do. He turned away. With his back turned, G stuck her tongue out. You really don't, you know, Assam said to her in a low voice. I can take care of myself, thanks. Assam recognized the tone. It was one he knew from home. It made him extremely tired and perhaps even a little homesick. The last time, he said patiently, I was the one who had to pay the price for you getting him all riled up. That was different. It was your fault for running off with the fox, which, if you hadn't, he never would have gotten involved. But you invited him. Maybe, but you made a deal with him, so it's your fault now. Now? You invited him. You acted like he was important and powerful, and now he's our best buddy. Say, Edgar called back to them, what are the chances the two of you might shut up for a few minutes? They struggled on quietly through the swampy water, following Edgar's winding path through the maze of weeds. Are we even headed in the right way? G asked Assam in a low voice. Which way is the shore? Assam shrugged and pointed vaguely in the direction Edgar was heading, but whether that meant the other boy was going the right way, or that G should go and ask him herself, she couldn't tell. Edgar stopped suddenly, staring into the mist and reeds ahead of them. He held up his hand. G and Assam approached quietly. What is it? she whispered. Edgar tapped her lightly on the tip of her nose, wiggling his finger in front of her eyes for a moment before slowly pointing to something ahead of them. G followed where he was pointing. I don't 
she started to whisper, when one of the shadows ahead shifted, moved under Edgar's fingertip. Her eyes focused on the movement. Oh, she whispered, I see her. It was a little girl, perhaps half as old as G, standing off in the reeds, looking back at them. G waved to her. The little girl's dark eyes widened, and she waved back, tentatively. Don't do that again, Edgar said under his breath. Why not? He ignored her, looking pointedly at Assam. If she runs, we need to stop her. You understand? Assam nodded, not quite certain that he did. It might have shown on his face because Edgar rolled his eyes and whispered, We don't want her to warn the others. What others? G waved to the girl again. Edgar grabbed her arm. I thought I told you not to do that. You did. She pulled her arm away. But I wanted to say goodbye. Goodbye. Edgar looked up in time to see the little girl vanish into the reeds. He said a word under his breath. It wasn't a word that Assam or G had heard before, but they understood its meaning well enough. Come on! He took off through the reeds, splashing muck and water everywhere. Assam and Darjeeling followed after him, trying to keep up as best they could. As they ran, the mist would part and they'd catch a glimpse of the girl. Then the mist would close and she'd vanish once more. G lost first one boot and then the other to the thick river mud. She kept running. There was a splash up ahead, and G heard Edgar shout, Gosha! She and Assam ran up to find him holding the girl by the shoulder, his hand across her mouth. The girl was soaked from head to foot, and she had her eyes closed. She threw herself back and forth in his grasp, but he held her fast. AJ now, lassie, don't be getting ideas. He shook her roughly. Stop dancing, or I'll dunk you again. She twisted in his grip, and he pushed her to his knees, forcing her face toward the shallow water. You're going to make yourself thirsty, you keep that up. She growled at him, low in her throat. He pushed her face forward another inch or two. One drink. One drink, and you'll forget how much you hate me. In fact, I might even get a new girlfriend out of the deal. He pushed her forward again, wrapping his fingers in her hair until she whimpered. Stop it, G said. You're scaring her. She's not scared, the boy answered. Are you, lassie? One sip is all it'll take. I wonder if your savior will bother with you once you've forgotten all about him. Stop it, G shoved him backwards with all her strength. Edgar went over, pulling the little girl down with him. A huge surge of muddy water flew into the air all around them. The boy was up in a second, and just as quick, Assam was once again standing between Edgar and his sister. Hold it, he said. We had a bargain. He wasn't quite sure if Edgar's word would hold up. Anger was pouring off of the boy like the water streaming from his soaked clothes. I told you, Edgar said, shaking with fury. She can't touch me. G went to the little girl and helped her up. The girl whimpered and reached for a little bundle floating nearby. G retrieved it for her. It was a doll, 
crudely made from woven reeds and stuffed with what looked like cattail fluff. She brushed it off as best she could and handed it back to the girl. The little girl took it gratefully, cradling it in her arms. She brushed her limp hair out of her eyes and shot a frightened look over to where Assam and Edgar were standing. Don't worry about him, G told her. He's just a bully. The girl looked unconvinced. What's your name? G asked. Mine is, I mean, you can call me G. The girl hesitated for a moment, and then, quietly, she said, Amabel. G smiled. And who's this? she asked, pretending to tickle the little doll. The girl giggled and shook her head. Doesn't she have a name? Amabel shook her head again. Oh, her mama must have named her something when she was born. Let me see. She took the doll from the girl and studied it carefully. Well, if you ask me, she said, I think her name might be Amy. She held the doll up to face her owner. What do you think? Does she look like an Amy to you? Amabel nodded and accepted the doll back with a broad smile. Hello, Amabel, G said. Hello, Amy. It's nice to meet both of you. Hello, G, the girl replied, and then again, in the doll's voice. This is Amy and Amabel, G said to the boys. They're friends. The boys looked over at her, then back to each other. Which one is which? Assam asked his sister. Well, Amy is the one who likes to dance, but Amabel has a better singing voice. The little girl giggled. Oh, honestly, Edgar sighed. Can we just, for the sake of Pete, get across before he catches up with us? Before who? Assam looked back the way they had come. At the top of the bank, rising above the reeds in the mist, a man stood tall and dark against the sky. Assam could feel his eyes on them, like fingers tapping around the edges of his mind. It was not a pleasant feeling. That's him, G said, the guy from the diner. Edgar nodded grimly. It is. What does he want? Assam wasn't certain he wanted to know the answer. He reached out tentatively with his mind, but found nothing to hold on to. The man's mind was too slippery, like mirrors, like glass, giving nothing away. He wants you, Edgar said. Us? Why? I have no idea. Assam knew Edgar was telling the truth, but he could feel that beneath the truth, a larger lie was still hidden. Is he... G stopped, held her breath for a moment. Is he the devil? Edgar snorted. Yeah, he's the devil, and I'm the baby in the manger. At this, Amabel suddenly gave a shriek and bolted off through the reeds. Hey, G shouted after her. Come back, he was only kidding. Edgar sighed. Looks like our cover's blown. We might as well get across. Maybe we'll get lucky and miss them altogether. Miss who? G asked. 
The holy children of the Lord, Edgar said, rolling his eyes. The chosen people, the 112,000 saints, give or take. Who? The happy souls, tucked away in between Abram's bosoms. He patted her head. Don't worry. If we hurry, we might just catch a little friend before she gets there. But Edgar pointed a thumb over his shoulder. The top of the river bank was empty. Where'd he go? Assam could still feel the man out there, but he couldn't quite place him. Edgar shrugged. You've got more important things to worry about. Like what? Like how we're going to make it out of heaven alive. Come on. And with that, he headed off into the reeds, Assam and G following close behind. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and read by the author, P.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Even listening to the damn thing is probably illegal these days. In fact, you should stop right now, just in case the feds are closing in on you. I'd wipe your hard drive, too, just to be safe. You don't want them to find all those Firefly episodes you downloaded from BitTorrent, do you? Wait. Did you hear that? Just outside the window? I think it was one of their robotic hounds. The new models have night vision, you know. And now they see everything. Oh my god, I think... I think they might already be in the house. <laughs>